Uncovering the Greatest Adventure of Your Christian Life. That's what this series is about. Gone Fishing. Let me ask you a question. How do you feel about sharing Christ? Give me one word descriptions about how you feel about sharing Christ with somebody. Uncomfortable. Thank you, Shelly. Excited. Thank you, Joe. Nervous. Who said nervous? Vivian? Oh, Jenny did. Jenny did. Boldly. All right. What else? Aggressive. Ooh. Bring it on, Colette. <clears throat> How do you feel about sharing Christ with somebody? Blessed. Blessed? Okay. Privileged, challenging. What else? Nobody said scared yet. I know that one's out there. We've we've all experienced the fear of sharing some sharing with Christ, right? Um, and should we be afraid? Well, look where it got Jesus. So yeah, it's, it's real stuff. All right, so. Let's go into this understanding that there are plenty of reasons for us to not share Christ with anybody. And let me, let me start this by saying there are some sermons that, that I can just tell the enemy is not going to enjoy me sharing. And this is, this is one of those series that I can already tell the enemy is, is going to try to stop it. I tell you that simply because I hope that that will perk your ears up a little bit. This is something the enemy does not want you and me to participate in and absolutely hates it. You know, there are some topics, if I'm going to preach on the blood of Christ, I can just tell it's an issue with him, right? Well, this is definitely one of those things that he comes against. And, and so please, please, please take some notes, pay attention, and be a part of what's happening this morning, all right? So let me ask you this. What if you... Miss out on the greatest adventure of your Christian life. Can you imagine being a bird and never flying? Always on the ground, pecking around. When you've got full capability to fly and to see things from an amazing height. And to soar even. Can you imagine being a bird and you get late in life and go, oh, I could have done that? <laughs> How frustrating that would be. And when it comes to Christianity, we need to begin to see things as God sees them. This is sharing Christ. This is you flying. This is you deciding, I'm going to soar. I'm going to do what God created me to do and made me to do. This is Christian life at its height. And we're so afraid of it. It's challenging. It's work. It's difficult. But you've got to understand this is, this is the epitome of what God has given us in meaning in life. It really is. Being able to share Christ with somebody else. You know, the disciples, after they would leave a town and they, they got kicked out of a town and sometimes they got beaten up a little bit, the scripture records that they'd be walking down the road giving each other high fives. I mean, well, that's my interpretation. They were like, wow, that was awesome. Man, we, we got beat up for sharing Christ. That was awesome. 
Now, I, hopefully that's not going to happen to you necessarily. Well, I don't know. It could be a great thing. Um, I was in Moldova and had ridden to uh, another church. There was a pastor there. He pastors two different churches. And, and on our way to church, he said, he said, yeah, one of our churches, uh, we get beat up there every now and then. The, the Orthodox church comes in and they just beat us up. And sometimes we end up in the hospital. <laughs> I said, well, w- which church are we going to tonight? <laughs> so I get back and, and I start explaining to the, the, the hierarchy there was this guy was a bishop. I started explaining to Bishop Pavlovsky. I said, I said hey, man, did you know that the, this church is getting beat up every now and then? He says, oh, yes, it's good for them. When's the pizza coming? You know, I mean, let's just eat. <laughs> and it's true. It's good for them. I, why? Well, we'll get into that. See, the greatest adventure, most exhilarating undertaking, and the greatest quest in the universe is the search and rescue mission for the human soul. You want an adventure in your life? Is your life boring? Start sharing Jesus. It'll spice up. You will have stories. You will have adventures. The creator of the universe, the most amazing person in all the world and beyond, God, This is the mission that he chose as his adventure. Reaching and raising the search and rescue mission for souls. This is his. Maybe you should give it a shot. If life is boring, if life is too much, start sharing Christ and you'll have a whole different perspective on your life. The happiest Christians I know are not the wealthiest people. The happiest Christians I know are not the healthiest Christians. The happiest ones that I know are the ones who have embraced the meaning of life in sharing Christ with the people around them. I talk to people that are sitting at their desks in the week. And when I come in, they're like, hey, John, you need to let's talk about this. I'm thinking about doing this, and I'm not going to share anything with you because that would break some confidentiality, but this is what I'm thinking about doing in the office. This is what I'm thinking about changing in in the office to be able to help people to maybe see what Jesus could do in their lives, and it's absolutely amazing. These people are sitting around thinking about ways that they can reach the people in in the office and their coworkers. It's awesome. They have a passion for it. One day, Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, and there were two brothers, Peter and Andrew, and they were fishermen. And they were casting their nets, and Jesus looked at that, and he thought, okay, that's exactly what we're trying to do for the Father. We're trying to catch fish. And so Jesus looked at the men, and he said, follow me. I will make you fishers of men. 
And they understood what he was talking about. They thought they were about to go on some great adventure watching Jesus do miracles. And boy, did they. They went on a great adventure watching Jesus do miracles. He cast out demons. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He fed thousands of people with just a few fish and and loaves of bread. They were absolutely blown away at watching Jesus do what he was doing. And then suddenly Jesus said, now listen, remember, I told you to follow me, but There's more to it than that. I will make you fishers of men. You see, it's one thing to just follow Jesus and watch him do the miracles and all the things that he was doing and have a front row seat to that. But it's a whole other thing when Jesus says, hey, I'm going to give you the power and ability and the words and everything you need to be able to do what I'm doing. And it will make your life full and it will make your life an adventure awesome. Jesus ascended, and when he did, he went up, and the scripture says that he sat down at the right hand of the Father. And what he did at that moment was sent the the Holy Spirit to us so that we could begin to do the work that he was doing while he was here. Okay, let me say that a different way. He sent the Holy Spirit so that you could begin doing the work that Jesus was doing while he was here. Well, John, I'm not qualified. I have a problem with my stuttering or my voice. Okay, Moses. Well, John, I'm too short. Okay, Zacchaeus. Well, John, I've, I've, I've stolen from people, and I have a, I, 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 there's no way my reputation is bad. Okay, Matthew. Well, John, I murdered people. <laughs> I, I, I persecuted the Christians, and I murdered people. Okay, Paul. We all have reasons and excuses that keep us from the greatest thing. Why do you think the enemy is throwing all of that in your face all the time? Because the enemy does not want you to be a part of the greatest adventure of life. The disciples went on a quest. It wasn't for material blessings. It wasn't for good feelings during a worship service. It wasn't for Christian activities and events. It wasn't for the biggest pipe organ this side of the Mississippi. The the disciples went on a quest for for more than just an amazing Christian program church. The disciples went on a quest to do what Jesus did. To reach the lost. That's what they went after. To search and rescue the human soul. So here's one of the final moments that Jesus had with the guys. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which had been appointed to them for them. Jesus set it up ahead of time. You guys meet me out here. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. That's a whole other story. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with 
excuse me, you always, even to the end of the age. So Jesus said, even though I'm going up, I'm with you. How? By his spirit. Jesus is with us. And he's, he promised these guys he would be with them. He says, look, if you go and do this, I'm going to be with you. How many of you want Jesus to be with you all day? Here's a key. You want Jesus to be with you? Do what he did. And he promised he'd be with you. That's awesome. So what these guys experienced was so amazing that they got what we call fishing fever. How many have ever had fishing fever? A few of us. All right, Cletus back there. In, in his family, Chris is known as Cletus, so Cletus, take the real. I invited a friend from church one time to go fishing, and this, we just graduated high school. We both signed up to go to Bible college, and I took him out to this place that my dad would always take me in Illinois, and uh, it was a really large pond. There was like seven ponds on this one place, but this one was just awesome. So I took him there. He had never been fishing other than, you know, piddling around in a little neighborhood pond with some corn and stuff like that, which, you know, if you're a fisherman, you think that that's really stupid, right? And, you know, you've got to get out there. You've got to have, you got to have the gear. You've got to have a boat. And, well, you don't have to have a boat. But you've got you, you to experience it, right? So I took him out in my dad's John boat. And I took him, uh, you know, we had a trolling motor with a battery and the seats that you sit on that get really hard after a few hours. And, and took him fishing. And it was his first time to be on a real fishing trip. And I got to tell you, man, it was one of the best days fishing I had ever had. There, were, there would be like a hole this big in the moss, different, different places in the moss. If you cast like this side of the moss with your bait and started pulling it as soon as you did, boom, you'd catch a fish before it even got to the other side of the moss. It was that good, right? So this guy, this was his first time fishing he went out afterwards and got him some fishing gear. He was so excited. He had fishing fever. Fishing fever is something that if you've had a good day fishing, you can fish for the next 30 years and not do as good as that first day, but you're always looking for it. I remember one, one Saturday morning, um, I was a teenager, and I woke up and, and started watching with my dad. You know, they've got TV shows with fishing shows and stuff. So we started watching these guys catching fish on this fishing show. It was wintertime. It was in January in Missouri, in misery. And we had been cooped up in misery for a couple of months at this point. And we're watching this TV show. And all of a sudden, it's just like, man, we got to go fishing. We've got to go fishing. So we put the stuff together. We got the boat hooked up and we drove for two hours to a lake. Drop the boat in. It's freezing. We go across. I promise you, this is true. Dad could tell you. We broke ice going across the lake. And we stood there. <laughs> After about 30 minutes, I said, Dad, my fishing fever is gone. <laughs> and he said, Mine too. I'm glad you said something. <laughs> We loaded up after 30 minutes of fishing and went back home, two hours drive. <laughs> now, that doesn't make sense to anybody that has never had fishing fever. Unless you've had fishing fever, you think that's the stupidest thing you've ever heard of. 
But once you've had it and once you've tasted it and you, you know what it's like to have a fish on the other line, on the end of your line, it's awesome. Um, on a cold, rainy day, fishermen will sit in their garage looking through their tackle box for hours, inventorying, is that the right word? Yes, inventorying, is, yeah, their tackle box. They will spend thousands of dollars on their tackle boxes. And there are entire magazines, TV shows, stores for fishing, tournaments that you can win hundreds of thousands of dollars. All kinds of people have this as their career, right? And Jesus, when he said, follow me, I will make you fishers of men. He was talking about something. He's saying, I'm, getting, I'm going to give you something to do that literally you can become obsessed with and have it as an enjoyment in your life that once you've tasted of it, you will want to do it over and over and over and you will find a way to have that in your life. And that's fishing. And that's fishing for men. And until you've tasted of it and really understand what it feels like to have someone in your life that comes to Christ because you had that opportunity to share Christ with them, it's, it's, an, it's an amazing moment. And until you've been able to fly like that, you haven't really lived the Christian life that God has called you to and wants you to experience. Jesus used fishing. Now, he, he didn't say, I'm going to make you a great cook. He didn't say, I will make you great sewers. And you will hem pants like nobody else. He didn't say that. He said, I will make you fishers of men. Why? Because once you've caught a fish, you get, you get fish and fever. Luke 15 records a few parables that Jesus told about fishing fever. He used a few different illustrations to help us to understand that, that this becomes a passion in your life. Um, Luke 15 verse 4 says, Suppose one of you had a hundred sheep and lost one. Wouldn't you leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the lost one until you found it? When found, you could be sure that you would put it across your shoulders, rejoicing. And when you get home, you'll call your friends and neighbors saying, celebrate with me. I found my lost sheep. Count on it, Jesus says. There's more joy in heaven over one sinner rescued, one sinner's rescued life than over 99 good people in need of no rescue, right? So what is he saying? He's saying this is a passion thing that you get. Wow, I'm missing a sheep. I'm going to go out and find that sheep. And, and it's a passionate situation. Uh, Luke 15 says, uh, verse 8, Or imagine a woman who has ten coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and scour the house, looking in every nook and cranny until she finds it? And when she finds it, you can be sure she'll call her friends and neighbors. Celebrate with me. I found my lost coin. Count on it. That's the kind of party God's angels throw every time one lost soul turns to God. What is he saying? This is what heaven rejoices over. Of all the other things Jesus taught about. This is the one thing he, he gave us a description of what heaven gets really excited about. And as a church family, when one person comes to Christ, that is a huge thing. And as a, as a person in the, in, the, in the body of Christ, you need to know that when you experience somebody coming to Christ because you made the opportunity happen, 
with God's help, you brought them to Christ. It's the most exhilarating thing you'll ever experience. In all three of these stories, well, the third story, you've got the prodigal son is right in, in, in line with that. You all remember the story of the prodigal son? The son, was, the son became lost. He took his father's inheritance. He went out to a, a far land. He squandered all of it. And understanding that the, the, the money that he squandered illustrates the grace of God. He squandered the grace of God in his life. He found out, found himself. He came to his senses in a pigsty. And he's like, man, even my father's servants have it better than this. And he went back home. And what happened when he went home? The father just, wow, he ran to him and hugged him and kissed him. He said, my son, my son, you're home. But then there was the older brother that didn't like it that his brother came home and, got ex- and, and the father got excited and celebrated for him. You see, in all three of these stories, the fisherman and woman had passion to find what was lost. The father had passion for his son. Even though he didn't go after him, he was passionately waiting for him because that's a good father, right? You got to let your kids sometimes go out and try the stuff that you don't want them to try. That's, That's being a good parent, right? So there was passion for the lost. Even though they had plenty left, they still sought after what was lost. The, the, the shepherd had 99 left. Well, that's enough. Why would I leave the 99 to go after the one? So they, even though they had, had all of this, I have my other coins. I'm just going to go find the coin that I lost. I'm going to go find the sheep that I lost. And the other thing is there was risk involved in all of these situations. There was risk. The 99 could have wandered off as well. The oil that was used to go and find the lost coin, it was very expensive oil. Uh, The father of the prodigal son could have lost his other son. There's always risk involved. And then fourth, there was great rejoicing. Great rejoicing. You see, the real joy in serving God is found in reaching the lost catching another soul not one time other than this does jesus talk about heaven rejoicing and this is what heaven gets excited about this is what we can be excited about this is what you can begin to get excited about in your life i took some time this morning when i woke up and i started reading some of the stories that I've turned in as a chaplain. And I'll read one to you. Um, this is from some years ago. Uh, so that there's no worry about confidentiality. I'm not going to give you any names or anything. But um, this is a story that, that this is just one of the stories in, in my day as a chaplain. I wrote, this guy has been sharing with me about his struggle through the years with suicidal thoughts. And at my last worksite visit with him the other day, he mentioned that now his marriage is seriously struggling. I encouraged him to set up a time for us to meet. Well, he called me this morning and was really having a tough time. He found out his wife is having an affair. I said, well, we need to meet. Within a couple of hours, he was sitting across the table from me at a burger place, sharing with me all that was going, he was going through. I began to work with him in finding, on finding his part in the relationship breakdown and led him through the process of seeing 
that God is the answer to his life. Uh, that was the relate process, I'm sure. All right, I can teach you the relate process. It's a great soul winning tool. He had never considered God, never had a relationship with God, but he was open to hearing about him. As we came to a conclusion, he was reluctant to go through with accepting Christ into his life, and I began praying for God's Spirit to draw him in. Suddenly, I sensed it was time to pray. I asked him if he minded if I just prayed to conclude. He was glad for that, so I did. After I prayed, I looked up at him, and his head was still bowed with a tear running down his cheek. Waiting for him to look up, he finally did, and I said, Do you want to start a relationship with God today? He shook his head, yes. We prayed again, and the most amazing presence of peace filled his life. When we finished praying, he didn't even want to move. I would try to move to get up, and he just sat there, not wanting the the moment to end. God had truly done an amazing work in his life. Two daughters and his wife. And he got saved that day. He didn't want to leave. Just a burger joint. He just sat there. He couldn't even say anything. He was so full of peace hope that he had never experienced before. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about because that's what your conversion experience felt like. Beautiful moment. So, there are a few things though that are some realities of fishing that I'll close with. One, is fishing isn't always fun. Two, fishing isn't always rewarding. And three, fishing isn't always safe. First, fishing isn't always fun. It's hard to go fishing when you're worried about paying your own bills. It's hard to go fishing and have fun when you have problems in your own marriage, in your own children's lives. Fishing seems to be so irresponsible when your life has fallen apart. Through the years, starting a church, doing all the stuff that we've done to to grow to where we are today, there have been stressful days in my life. I don't know if you realize that. There were days that I thought, this church is over. Finances weren't there. People weren't there. The struggle was there. Then along the way, our house burned down. I mean, it was just all kinds. Well, it didn't burn down. It just burned up. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, one thing after another. We just, you know, we've been... But my dad would always say, John, let's go fishing. He still does. But there were some times that my dad just knew (laughs) he's got to go fishing. And I'm sitting there in the boat, and all I can think about sometimes was bills, or all I could think about was church people that we were struggling with, whatever it was, it was hard. 
but then a fish would bite. And then another. And suddenly hope and peace would be there. What am I trying to say? It's not always fun fishing. You're going to have all these distractions in life that are going to keep you from going and telling somebody else. And sometimes it even seems irresponsible that you would leave your post and go and share Christ with somebody else. But suddenly when that fish bites, everything begins to turn around. Everything begins to make sense. Why? Because suddenly the biggest and most important thing you can possibly do in all of the universe is taking place and all the stuff that you're so worried about becomes so menial in comparison with somebody coming to Christ or even you just planting a seed in their life. And all of the things that you're saying, giving them hope, giving them anything to help them to see that they can have a better life, a different life. You begin to hear it as you speak it to them, and you begin to believe it. You see, telling people about Jesus is your path to sanity. That's how you become sane, is listening to yourself tell people about, or telling people about Jesus. You see, suddenly all of your priorities and everything just begins to get aligned. And it helps. It helps. Secondly, fishing isn't always rewarding. Often the fish have what my dad calls lockjaw. Anybody ever heard of that? They've got lockjaw. And reality is fishing, the fish have eating patterns. Everything affects fishing. Uh, the barometric pressure, the weather, the, the water pressure. If, if We can tell if we're catching fish like on Ray Roberts and they open up the dam, all of a sudden the fish just stop hitting, you know, and, and we're like, what in the world's going on? Then we look at the trees and you can see where the water line is, is different and, oh, they're letting water out. So uh, the sun, the, the direction of the, the wind, that is always said. When the wind is from the east, fishing is the least, right? And so anything and everything can just affect whether or not the fish even hit. And there are days that even the professionals are out there and they can't get a hit. And that's all right. But some days you'll be out there and you can't get a hit. And then all of a sudden a fish hits like a freight train, like every other fish in the lake was trying to get your bait. And it's like that in the kingdom of God. You'll go out some days and there's no biting, right? And here's the thing, you'll pick up on some things that, that indicate that it's time to go fishing. If you see somebody that's got a newborn baby, it's time to go fishing. Because they're looking for some direction for life and they realize I'm responsible for this little baby. Make sure that you, you find an opportunity to tell them about Jesus at that point. Hey, have you considered where you're going to go to church and where this little boy is going to grow up or this little girl is going to grow up? Have you thought about that? Oh, you don't have a relationship with God? Well, let's talk about that. You want your child to grow up to know God, don't you? I mean, just find a way. Um, when someone's feeling the pain of life, that's a great opportunity for you to share Christ with them. When they're feeling pain, why? Because pain can draw people to Christ. That's why God allows it. Uh, when they have a health issue, talk to them. 
pray with them. Tell them about Jesus, right? When there's disaster, when there's tragedy in the world, when the news is, is full of all kinds of difficult things, what are they thinking about? Their existence. And that's a great opportunity for you to begin sharing Christ at work even. Every religious holiday, we just got, got through Easter. It's a great opportunity for you to talk to your family about Jesus, right? These kinds of things provide for great fishing days. And some days, while everyone else is just having a good day, there's no terror in the news, the gas prices are low, 380 was okay, Every, everyone is, has food, and, and there seems to be no fish biting at all. Then all of a sudden, you'll walk in somewhere and wham, a fish will grab the hook and be like, I need Jesus. Jesus. And it's a wonderful thing. I remember one day I walked into one of my locations where I, I take care of, uh, I'm chaplain there, and I'm all the way across the shop, and this guy starts yelling at me, Chaplain! What? He ran to me. This is a true story. He said, I need Jesus. James David, would you come? And listen. If you've already written it off that there's no fish biting, you'll miss that opportunity and you won't even show up to reach somebody to do the greatest, most exhilarating, awesome thing that you could ever do in your life. It's so amazing that this is what the God of the universe does for his entertainment. Reaching the lost. Fishing isn't always safe. And there's a multitude of unknowns when you get on the water. Especially if you're with my dad. <laughs> Everything is unpredictable. You could get hooked. We went to the ER a couple of months ago. Water's dangerous, there's snakes, there's other human beings, right? Anything can happen. You fall out of the boat. Storms can pop up. Lightning, winds, hail. Dad's been on the lake and a tornado went across. The waves can get up. You can hit a stump at 50 miles an hour and survive. Jesus made it clear that these fishing trips that he sends you on won't always be safe. In fact, it's what put him on the cross. But let's be honest. We all like a level of adventure and danger. Come on, you know you do. And there is no greater danger you can put yourself in than the adventure of sharing Jesus. 
to somebody. And let me say this also. How many of you have ever been in a church where the people didn't like each other? Oh, he talks too much. Or he or she or this or that. Sharing Jesus is very bonding for a church. And when we get persecuted together and we go through trials together and we go through the valleys and climb the mountains and we forge rivers together, we bond. And you will matter to the people around you like you've always wanted. If you're not bonded to other followers of Jesus, you've never faced the danger of being one. And Jesus didn't just call you to follow, he called you to become a fisher, to do what he did. And he says, I will equip you, I will even tell you what to say. I will help you. I will bring opportunities to you. I will be with you to the end of the age. When you do this, Jesus said, I will be with you always. Man, that's awesome. So we're going to do some fishing lessons over the next few weeks. Is that all right? Would you bow your heads? You're here this morning and maybe you have not accepted a relationship with Christ yourself. It's time to let him catch you. He loves you. He cares about you. And he wants to give you meaning and purpose in your life. He has an adventure waiting for you. It's hard. It's scary. Sometimes it's so difficult, you don't know how you're going to make it another day. But he's with you. And if you're ready for an adventure, if you're ready for a life that's meaningful, a life that is free from your past, Come to Jesus. And here's what it sounds like. God, I accept you for who you are. And I will spend the rest of my life getting to know better what you like and what you don't like. And what you do. And I will begin to accommodate for you living inside of me. I invite you to come live inside of me. Empower me with your spirit. Make me alive in Christ. I want a new beginning. I want my old life to be buried. And I want to live a new life in Jesus. So I accept you into my life today.
Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your friendship, God. And for the rest of us now, I want you to just, and even for you that just accepted Christ, I want you to right now just picture the person that you want to see come to Christ. And let's pray for them. Heavenly Father, you've put these people in our hearts. And we ask you, God, for the right bait, the right timing, the right weather, whatever it takes for you to make that moment possible. We, we accept the call to be fishers of men. And I pray, Father, a special anointing upon each of these that as we leave this house today, that we would leave with meaning and purpose to reach the lost, to be able to reach out to that person, that family member, that friend, that coworker, whoever it is that's in our hearts and minds that you've put there. That God, you would create that opportunity. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Father. Amen.